In the Fuzzy Memories podcast, we celebrate the good, the rad, and the fugly of the 80s and 90s. We're three latchkey kids who made it out alive. And in each episode, we break down all the culture that popped one year at a time. Whether it's the birth of legends. I'm Lyme disease free today and I have Whitney Houston and MTV to thank. (laughs) Or audacious moves. Imagine also the the poor Golden Gate Bridge. You turn 75 and people have a party on you. I don't want that. Or even confusing PSAs. In the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, we would, I assume as an adult, I would catch on fire weekly. All the time! (laughs) We've got a take that will make you laugh. We've also got thoughts on all sorts of random phenomena and the most unmitigated of golf. Why sharks can't be trusted, people can't be trusted, and rivers can't be trusted. (laughs) It's collusion. It's of the highest degree! Uh Uh-huh. You were counseling me to start my remarks with, first of all, bitch. <laughs> that one, everyone in that room would have snapped to attention. It's going to be basically coffee lids, shark revenge, and then maybe like Matt gets. <laughs> we need to do something about him. Join us every other Wednesday to celebrate the hits, the misses, and the misfits of the weirdest decades. If I could tell my 14-year-old self from 1990 that I would be eating in a cheesecake factory in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills, I'd be like, we did it. We, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Fuzzy Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. Hello, and welcome to Broads and Books. I'm Amy. And I'm Erin, and this is episode 104. Happy Idiot. Happy Idiot. This is a song by TV on the radio. Yes. A delightful little song. Basically, about how ignorance can be bliss, could be bliss. Mm -hmm. We need ignorance to sometimes be happy. That's the premise of the song. And we thought, what a great idea for a theme. Is ignorance bliss? We're coming at you with the hot topic questions. The topical... Hot takes. takes, topical discussions. Here we are. Yes. Is ignorance bliss? Is ignorance bliss? Yeah. Well, and I think we have to make a distinction first. So do you think that ignorance is the same as stupidity? No. I think that ignorance is probably what we're born with. And over time, we unlearn it. You know, mm. we learn new things. We're mm-hmm. accepting new things. I think stupidity is willful ignorance. Okay. Just straight up, like... Not wanting to learn new things, uh-huh. um, denying facts, okay, uh, making your worldview fit you. Uh-huh. I think that's all stupid. Yeah. Whereas if you're ignorant, you can learn not to be. You can learn about other kinds of people. You can learn about other kinds of situations yeah. and history and all that kind of stuff. Right. Okay. That's my thought. What do you think? Yeah, same, I think. Yeah. yeah. I had the same idea. I guess I had it reversed in my head for some reason. Oh. That I was thinking like being ignorant is sort of a form of choosing stupidity like mm. you're choosing to stay ignorant oh, about look something. at this multiple definitions yeah. i don't know but stupidity always strikes me as like you're stupid that's not like although yeah you're right i think you could work to not be sometimes people are just born dumb I th- <laughs> well that's the thing there's I mean, ignorant there's stupid I'm sorry. I'm sorry, there's dumb <laughs> yeah and that's dumb, true i threw dumb in there okay. dumb is totally different that's right you're all right all the yep. dumb dumbs out yeah. there yes. yeah 
Yeah, I think we're on the same page. I think we are. I just accidentally <laughs> threw dumb in there and just really confused things. Because then there's confusion, and that's, that's all. <laughs> and there's condescension. Oh, God. Oh, man. I hate that. Words are fun. Semantics. <laughs> Semantics. <laughs> so thinking about mm-hmm. ignorance, stupidity. Yeah. Is there something about which you think you are ignorant or stupid or whatever term you would like to use? Um, yeah, yeah, there is. And it is one of those things that I could absolutely choose to fix and I do not. And that is geography. <laughs> I, I will admit that when I took geography in high school, I cheated. Okay. We had yeah. planners that had maps in them and we had a geography teacher who paid little to no attention and I would just open it and put it oh. in the chair in front of me, like on the floor and I just caught, so I never bothered to learn anything. This is a, Hang on a second. This is uh, blowing my mind a little bit that you just straight up cheated. I did. I straight up cheated. Like, wow. I mean, actively. Like, I and I really did nothing to hide it when I look back. Now, I'm not using this as an excuse. Literally, everyone in the class (laughs) did it. But I now I kind of hate myself because Mm. there's things I don't. I mean, there are even states that I'm like, I know the general area, yeah, but I don't know that state. And I'm really bad with world geography. Again, general ideas, but like things that I should know Mm -hmm. and I do not. Do you know the continents and do you know the... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. See, there there you go. But sometimes I'm still (laughs) surprised by things. Does geography translate to like street directions and stuff like that? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. I'm better at that. Um... I figured out how my brain works or how I take in things. I'm mm-hmm. not so good with like east, you know, north, east, southwest. Like sure. don't tell me to go north on this road or whatever. I'm yeah. more like a landmark or I, I understand where streets are and I can say, okay, that's between those, whatever. Yeah. But I, there have been quite a few times that I thought, you know, you really could study a map or like <laughs> spend some time on this and get better. And then for a while I told myself, well, I mean, there'll be a time when my kids need to learn geography and I'll help them and probably pick it up. But yeah, it hasn't happened. Hasn't happened. It okay. hasn't happened. Okay. So, yeah. So, have you put in your planner now? You set aside like a half hour every week to learn about geography. the world's geography. Yeah. No. See, okay. that's what I'm saying. Mm. I'm choosing to just, just remain ignorant. To- <laughs> I just I don't know it, and then sometimes I get angry at myself, and then the second part of myself is like, "That's what Google's for, bitch." <laughs> Like, I argue in my head about, Maybe you know. geography was more important before we had Google and the interwebs. I guess, Maybe. Yeah. And if you were a world explorer. Uh-huh. But, you know, you grew up in Iowa. You didn't uh-huh. become a marine biologist like you thought you would be. I know. So there was no need. There was no need. And in fact, in college, this is another example of Aaron being real. Not even ignorant. Not even stupid. Just dumb. Dumb? I'm going to bring back dumb. <laughs> I took a class and stupidly thought that it was geography and it was geology. Oh, that's a different thing. Different thing. I learned all about tectonic plates. Oh, boy. Rocks and volcanoes. I think. It was great. I actually really enjoyed the class, but it did nothing to help my geography. No, no, no. Yeah. It didn't tell you where the rocks and the tectonic plates I mean, they did generally, but we didn't do the deep dive that I think they assumed I got in high school, (laughs) at which I did not. Because that was also the class that someone sat behind me that was... Again, to use the word dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, and someone gave her a, a glue stick instead of chapstick. Oh. And she used it. And she glued what? her lips together. Yeah, that happened in that class. Huh. This is also the class where someone super glued their foot to a tile on the floor to pull up why the tile. Why are we playing with glue? I don't know. Why, I don't, why was there so much glue? Geography so much glue. With glue. 
This was also the class that we badgered the teacher so much. And I don't think he understood that it was like in a mean way that he would sometimes just break out in like show tunes to get us to be quiet. What? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Mm -hmm. You know, I think this comes down to suspect teaching. I'm going to agree with you. Yeah. I'm going to agree with you. Yeah. And and to some degree, I don't want to blame him because I think it was a rowdy group that he was just like, you know what? Go ahead and cheat on your geography test. <laughs> Go ahead and glue shit You're together. You're going to the day that you don't know where states are. And you know what? He was right. Uh, he was right. So he had his revenge after all. He did. Yeah. He had his revenge. Do you remember the show tunes that he was singing? Did he at least teach you the lyrics to that? Well, I don't. There was one show tune and another time he did Oh, Shannon, Doe. Okay. I long to oh, see no. your <laughs> And we're like, what is happening? And I mean, this is back, you know, it's years ago enough that like it was projectors with the markers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's got like notes and the room's dark and everyone's talking and he's losing control. And all of a sudden he's like, oh, Shenandoah, my whatever, whatever are coming. And you're like, what? What is Why? this lunatic doing at the front of the class? And you know it worked, but yeah. you can't bank on that every time. So I'm still stuck on the glue. Like, why is there glue why? in geography? So much glue. But, yeah, and that yeah. I, can I tell you that's not the first time someone did what that. Is, okay, I know because if they glued, the, our floor was so old that the tile would come up with their shoe. Like they could get enough force to pull the tile up. I don't know what the long-term plan was. This feels like nowadays this would be like a TikTok challenge or something. Yes. But back then, this was just stupidity. This was just, was just dumb. dumb, just dumb, dumb stuff. Yeah. Just dumb, dumb stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. He was the tallest person I've ever seen the in teacher? real life, too. Yeah. Huh? Like over seven foot tall. Huh. Like he had to dunk to get into his classroom. He had to dunk? He had to <laughs> duck. Dunk? <laughs> duck. He had to dunk. So there was a basketball hoop in the geography class, too. He and did he have a dunk. basketball hoop. That's why I thought dunk. He had to duck to get into his room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, words are fun. So was that class. Yeah, sounds I like it. Nothing. I nothing. learned nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. Yeah. So, okay, I shared one. Maybe some people were surprised to find out I'm ignorant about geography. <laughs> I doubt it. But is there a topic that you're surprised to find out that a lot of people are ignorant. About. Yeah, and then the last two years, I've been surprised to learn we don't know a lot about cold and flu transmission, and that <laughs> washing our hands mm. is a good thing to do just generally. Mm-hmm. And apparently, this is a skill and a piece of knowledge that a lot of people don't have. Correct. Yeah. And yeah. here we are in here this are. predicament. Mm-hmm. And that also translates to a lack of understanding or acceptance of public health and why masks yeah. might be a good idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's that. I think mm-hmm. we're, we're a lot of us are dumb mm-hmm. when it comes to that. So science. Science. Okay. I think, uh, yeah, and, and the idea that maybe oils are going to solve this kind of stuff. That's not how science works. That's not how, That's science not works. It's how not, it works. It's not going to so, do it. It is not going to do it. No, got a lot of dumb stuff there. Uh, the other thing you reminded me about before we started recording is what vegan means. Yeah, I have yeah. been. On, I am not vegan, and I have on your behalf been angered on a few times where I'm like, That's not what it means. <laughs> What? I have had to explain to many, many, many people mm-hmm. what the difference between vegetarian and vegan is. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. Because, but as the years have passed since I've been vegan, a lot of awareness has been spread about this. You would think it might be common knowledge that, you know, eggs aren't vegan, but it is not. No. It is not. Also, I, on your behalf again, I have been frustrated by people who feel a kinship to you and you're like i'm vegan too i mean i eat eggs and cheese but i'm vegan <laughs> then you're not vegan that's not, that's not vegan. the same thing hon. it's not vegan no no yeah. it's not the same you're not no. a vegan no yeah so uh, there's a lot of uh you know 
stupidity, mm-hmm. a lot of dumbness, mm-hmm. and just a public service announcement, cheese is not vegan. It's not. So Neither are eggs. No. Really, nothing dairy. And also gluten-free and vegan are not the same thing. No. Mike loves to tease you. <laughs> he, he'll always throw out, that's gluten-free, on to Amy, just, like, just to go to her. Michael! Yeah. Michael, stop it. Yeah. So... There you go. Two things that we should know a little bit more about. Uh, it's true. Perhaps. It really is true. Yeah. Erin, yeah. Mm-hmm. I got another question for you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think that having the ability to read people's thoughts, you know, it would maybe make you less ignorant, less mm-hmm. stupid, but mm-hmm. would it be a benefit or a hindrance? You know, I am super petty. So <laughs> I feel like it would be this is true. This a is hindrance true. Yeah. because I would be like, Oh, like that's what you think. That's what you think. I wouldn't be able to be chill about no, it. No, I think and you're be right. like passive aggressive. Yes. I would just be like, "Are you serious? Yeah, are you that dumb? Yes, it would get really. I'd get really worked up. Well, so, and we have an inability to control our face. So as soon as you yes. read a thought, you'd be like, "Seriously? What? Yeah." So I think it would be a hindrance. Uh huh. But then there is a part of me that thinks it might be a benefit in the sense that I also often participate in catastrophic thinking. Yes, that's like, true. I assume that everything's terrible and that someone's thinking something terrible. Yes, yeah. So it might be helpful to find out that no, they were just trying to remember the flavors of Skittles. They weren't actually thinking about my life at all. That's a good point. It might be good perspective to realize that not everyone is judging you at every single moment. Right. They're worried about their own shit. Like that someone might be like, I hope no one heard that fart. And in my head, I see the <laughs> face and I'm like, they hate me. They hate me. What yeah. did I do? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I think I would go with the petty route too. Because I think, especially here in the Midwest, there's so much passive aggressive stuff. So if you were able to like hear what's happening and then just hear the actual thought, like, oh, it's time to take earrings off and fight. Yeah. My hoops are out. (laughs) I never wear hoops. But I've never engaged in a physical fight. I never have either. I think it'd be fun. No. I've been slapped, but that was... Who slapped you? I was in fourth grade. Oh, okay. And I... uh, I stuck up for someone who was getting pushed by yeah, you did. a bully. Uh, it was a female bully. She, and she she did not like that I intervened. And she hauled off and slapped me real good. Right across the face? Right across the face. Right across wow. the face. I said, you should you should stop pushing him. And she, and I was like, oh, well, okay. If that's the alternative, I guess push away. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, it was very dramatic. You know, the teacher, oh, I had to go get an ice pack. I mean, yeah. I did not take the slap like a champ. I was very, very dramatic. I, I like cried. to think that you were upping the drama to show so that the bully would get in trouble. I, I think so, but I think that it was like a foregone conclusion. She was kind of always in trouble. I think that's probably where mm. the anger was coming from. And looking back as an adult, I could see maybe she, there was some... There's no. probably a lot of stuff she didn't have the words for. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah. then, you know, she's like, great. Now I got this drama queen who like <laughs> makes full dots above her eyes crying and getting an ice pack and thinking she's some kind of superhuman. All I was doing was sticking up for someone. Oh, no. Yeah. I think I played it a yeah, little bit. Yeah, you probably did. I milked it. Yeah. I milked it. I mean, that's okay. It's okay. You were learning how to be a human. I was. Also, I was. you put circles above your eyes? I did. Uh, until the teacher was like, this is enough. Oh, okay. Because I started to make them hearts. And <laughs> oh, then she no! was like. Stop it. I mean, fourth grade, you know, you're you're searching, you're trying. But I was good big on the into teacher. Lisa Frank, and that uh, stuff sure, is just sure, sure, mystical sure. and magical. Yes. But I good on the teacher. Good on the teacher to just be like, okay, you're yeah. too precious. Stop yeah. it. Yeah. She Stop called me over and she's that. like, I just need you to put dots. <laughs> and I was like, gotcha. Gotcha. What would happen if we changed our handwriting now and started putting like hearts above our eyes? Oh, man. Like in your Christmas cards. Can you do that for your business Christmas cards? <laughs> 
just because I walked into your house the other day and saw all these baskets that you're giving out for your business to clients, which yeah. is very nice. So I think you should include a handwritten note that has hearts heart. for the eyes. I like it. Yeah. And just like lots of hearts around it. Now, also, let's keep in mind that I'm not good even at a basic heart drawing. <laughs> so they were always kind of like lopsided and oh, weird. Okay. It wasn't quite. Sure. It was me like attempting to be precious and failing, mm. which was somehow worse. That's yeah. I think that is worse. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Like, I just remember at that, that was the stage where I was like, oh, my name has an I in it. I could be funky. I could do my own thing. <laughs> oh, now I'm going to sign or I'm going to write your name with heart all the you time. Should. Yeah, you should. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, every episode, I learn something new about you, Erin. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, a, it's always it's a treasure trove of a delight. treasure trove of delight. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. uh, speaking of treasure troves of delight. Yes. Why not? Yeah. Uh, should we get into our picks? Yes. Okay. So my fiction pick is called Leave the World Behind by Ruman Alam, and this came out last year, 2020. So it starts with a married white couple, Amanda and Clay, who are in Long Island on vacation with their two teenage kids. And they've rented this super luxe home for the week, and it's, you know, it's like ideal they've been planning this vacation for a while they're just starting to chill just starting to decompress then one night there's a knock on the door and outside is an older black couple ruth and gh and they say this is their house and they're back because something has happened uh in new york there's this sudden blackout they can't get in touch with anybody they need to get into their house and there's no real clear reason or news uh, about that so they're knocking on the door, you know, and the vacationers are trying to get clarity. They're like, okay, great. But the TV is down. Internet is not is not working great. So they're trying to figure out, A, if they believe this couple, that oh. these people actually own the house. And some of their racial bias comes into play uh-huh. with that. But they're also trying to figure out, like, wait, what is what is happening in New York? And they're starting to get mobile alerts from, like, the New York Times on their phone, which has some vague stuff about a blackout and a hurricane. And then there's a final message that just says breaking and then just garbled letters. And that's the last thing they hear. And then the Internet's gone. So now in this house with these strangers, they're isolated from the rest of the world. And the question is, like, what now? What do we do? And I chose it for this theme because I think – What's one of the cool things about the book is we never really see the disaster. We don't know what really happened. It's not like a typical apocalypse or disaster novel where everything is sort of laid out. Right. You know, we know it's been a, this massive cataclysm kind of thing. Here it's about the not knowing mm-hmm. and not knowing what's happening outside the house, not knowing these strangers, um, not knowing if you can trust them and being thrust together at the same time, not knowing what to do next. And there's a sense, too, that maybe they don't want to know mm. because maybe it's everything we have ever feared, you know. And and at this point in the novel, it's still the Trump presidency. So they're starting to think, oh, shit, what if it's a nuclear thing? Like mm. all the bad places we went in our heads. Yeah, it was going there. So the idea is maybe ignorance is kind of bliss. I mean, they're at this great place and they're safe out here. So, you know, maybe we don't need to know. But at the same time, ignorance is potentially devastating in the house because in scary moments, we fall back on our biases. We fall back on our prejudices. The white couple can't get comfortable with the black couple there and vice versa. And there's the owner and renter divide. And it all makes things so much stickier. So I think this is very beautifully written. It's But at the same time, it's super propulsive because you're trying to figure out what's going on, but also just what is going to happen between these odd pairings of people. Uh-huh. And it just ratchets up the tension around knowing or not knowing. And I think it's perfect for this theme. And, yeah. It does sound perfect for this theme. And isolation. 
She's yeah. a bitch. Yeah. And I do not like the idea of strangers coming to my house. Well, that's very true of like the last couple of years. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people kind of went through that when we talk about quarantine and there was a part of us that were that the isolation was overwhelming. Yeah. But then if you think about all the stories you heard about people maybe having to quarantine with family they don't get along oh. with or a spouse that things aren't going well with. Yes. I mean, there was a lot of awkward situations that came out of something that was beyond anyone's control that really no one prepared for because in this day and age, who really thinks that that's going to be something that happens exactly and this was written before all this obviously but it came out in the middle of the pandemic so it it feels like it was one of those weird kismet moments where it yeah is actually very relevant and yeah not quite the same but at the same time you know us knowing that there's something bad happening or knowing that something bad is coming is different from actually experiencing it and that's you know where this is going it's good stuff yeah. yeah well the a uh, book that I picked for this uh, theme for fiction this time is called The Pessimists by Bethany Ball. And it was published in October 2021. And this is one of those where um, we're getting three couples. We're following three different couples. It's a small town in Connecticut. It opens on a New Year's Eve party at Tripp and Virginia's home. And right away, we get the idea that this is a small town. So there's these pressures from the outside that not everyone is always saying or acting how they really feel because mm. they think that there's this appearance element. Mm -hmm. We also find out right away that there's a school involved that is kind of an alternative school that all their kids go to that seems more concerned with the kids, say, using their imaginations than learning math. And there's this sort of group think of, well, it's the best school, so that's where your kid has to go. Uh And, And willful ignorance of the fact that they might not actually be teaching anything, <laughs> and the principal slash superintendent kind of seems like a cult leader. Oh, but okay. Separate from that, okay. yeah. we're following these three couples, and they're all kind of at different points in their relationships and in their family dynamics. Uh, Tripp and Virginia have one daughter. Um, Virginia's an author. She has found out that she has cancer, and she's told no one. She hasn't told her husband. She doesn't even know if she wants to seek treatment. She's in this really dark place. Meanwhile, her husband has become a prepper, and is going to random things in the woods and has a treasure trove of guns in the basement she knows <laughs> nothing about. Okay. Gets drunk on New Year's Eve and shows a- another couple that's there. Oh, and no. he's like, oh, okay, this is weird. And then you have Gun- Gunther and um, Rachel who are transplants from Sweden. He got a job and they've moved here and she was not happy about the move and insisted that, well, the kids need to go to this school because it seems like the best place. Mm -hmm. And then she realizes early on, okay, something's messed up. But she's thrown down so hard on her marriage and used such leverage to get them at that school that now her husband is completely on the side of the school. Like Mm -hmm. she pushed too hard, he drank the Kool-Aid and now he won't back out. So all these family dynamics going on, all of these situations, um, it is really, really darkly funny. Like there's just a lot of humorous situations, but in a dark kind of way. And I picked it for this theme because all of the couples have this element of their relationships that work because they're ignoring certain things. Like Virginia, if she clicked in for a little bit, she could see something's going on with Trip, but she Mm -hmm. just isn't that interested because she has enough stuff going on in her own head. So she doesn't question that there's this whole locked room behind a door that she just never goes behind in the basement. She doesn't really question that he's going on this these trips or seems very stressed Oof. out. 
Um, other, you know, uh, Rachel's sort of ignoring the fact that she's being minimized in her relationship and not really giving the voice or the ability to make decisions. There's all these things that are happening that they're just pushing aside because that's we just have to make the relationship work and we're trying to keep up with the Joneses and the school's great. It's fine. Mm-hmm. So I picked it for that and because there's a major event towards the end of the book that changes everything changes all of their relationship dynamics, changes the town, everything. Really something that no one saw coming. But if they thought about it, everyone should have seen coming. Ooh. And it's it's wonderful and it kind of happens and then the book ends pretty quickly after that. But it works perfectly because you've been on this journey with them and then you find this out and you're like, okay, that yeah, that makes sense. That mm-hmm. tracks that this is where they would all end up. So I really liked it. It's um, it's kind of one of those that you kind of get immersed in. It's not super plot heavy. It's more character driven. You know, you're following these couples. But I like it too because I think you can find yourself, there's enough characters you're going to relate to mm-hmm. one. Or at the very least, you're going to relate to relationship dynamics or the idea that sometimes we you know, pretend we don't know something because it's easier or we just don't have the emotional capacity to deal with it at that mm. time. So I I liked it for the scene for that. And I uh, had not read anything by her previously, but I definitely does enjoyed this one. Catalog? Yeah, she does yeah. have a back catalog. Yep. I like that idea too of like not seeing things coming mm-hmm. because of that willful ignorance. Yes. Like, you know, if you really thought about it, you could see things coming. I think God, we do that on a global scale. All the time. Mm-hmm. We do it at work. We do mm-hmm. it in our lives. We do it everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And maybe because we don't have the emotional bandwidth to think about the reality of some of these things that might be happening. Yeah. And might come. Yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes we feel helpless. Like, yeah. there are things that we know are bad, but what do we do as one person? Like, mm-hmm. I, that, I guess climate change jumped to my head right, right away. Like, for there's sure. things that we're all trying to do, but I think we all have this idea, like, we know it's not enough, but... But to really think about how devastating it is uh-huh. is sort of would be overwhelming. I mean, so overwhelming. Yeah. And some of us, yeah, just it's not, it's, yeah, you feel absolutely useless and mm-hmm. helpless. Yeah. I also like the idea of uh, ignorance in a cult. Yes. And, you know, maybe not seeing things that you don't want to see and then realizing, oh shit, I'm in a cult. Yeah. Or and I think that that's one part that sometimes when we watch things about cults or we read about them, we sometimes don't don't pay a lot of attention to the character that's like, okay, I bought into this, but now I have questions. Mm -hmm. And that was fun to see that in Rachel's character. That's like, wait a minute, you guys kind of sold this as something else. And now I'm here and I'm like, whoa, whoa, everyone just pumped the brakes (laughs) and kind of how the school responds to her. Oh, because they realize like, oh, no, we're losing a disciple. Yeah. And she's going to ruin the flock. So we got to do something about Mm. her. So, yes, I've been thinking about cults a lot. Oh, (laughs) <laughs> is that because I proclaimed that Ziggy was a cult leader? That, I mean, just generally, just cults generally. are fascinating. Yeah, but are. yes, I've been thinking about cults and especially about, like, because I think that Ziggy is a cult leader. He was very glad that the cats outside were reproducing because then it was more disciples. Yes, for him. yeah. And that feels like a standard cult move. Absolutely. Like you want to keep as many people, get them breeding, yes. get them not thinking, keep it all coming. the sex and deadbeat dads. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So Ziggy's smart in that way. Mm-hmm. He's built his cult base mm-hmm. by having cats that I haven't been able to capture and, and neuter. 
Well, and I think that's one element of all cults that we don't talk about, which is that they completely lack sustainability. Absolutely. At some point, they're going to just knock themselves out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because if Ziggy had his way, there would just be more and more kittens, and I would run out of capability to feed them all. Yeah, it's just not a sustainable model, and it feels like every cult should be able to see that, and no one ever does. Right. Like, this isn't going to last forever. It's not possible. Yeah, and Ziggy's going to cut into your food allowance. You don't want that? No. That's probably when it's going to go bad. That's when it's going to go real bad. Mm-hmm. That's when the real murder is going to. That's start when you happening. get the inner part of a cult and the outer part of oh, a cult. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a inner circle and an outer circle and the and branding and all oh, the weird no. stuff. Oh yes. god. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> I oh, remember no. totally out of context this week the Nixium documentary where at one point the woman who's got out of the cult and she has the brand on her hip. And it's a scar now, and she's putting scar cream on it. And she's like, oh, this brand, perfect for rehabilitating your cult branding wound. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> now, that is the branding message you want. Yeah, that is yeah. exactly what That's that exactly, product was exactly intended for. for. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. <laughs> on that note, really not on that note, okay. because I don't think she wants this associated with any cults or branding or wounds probably or whatever. Not, yeah. Probably not. I have a graphic memoir Ooh. for our other genre pick, okay. and it's called Imagine Wanting Only This mm. by Kristen Radke, and this came out in 2017. And Kristen is in art school when her uncle dies, and when she goes back to his funeral, she's taken with this abandoned mining town that she sees on the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, she goes, explores it, and this sparks this fascination with ruins and ruined places. And like I said, she's in art school, so she's a very visual person. Mm-hmm. And like she's taking pictures of these things. She's trying to capture them, but also trying to really dig in and figure out like why entire communities, entire towns are left behind, entire buildings. And... While this is happening and while she's grieving her uncle, she also discovers that there's this rare genetic heart disease that killed him, one that's passed down through her family and through Mm -hmm. generations. So she's grappling with this idea that she may have it and she may not have a long time in Mm -hmm. her life. And so part of her book is her journeys around the country and the world, looking at different ruins for her art projects, for this obsession, this fascination. And part of the book is coming to terms with what she wants from her life that may not last very long. Like she's trying to figure out, you know, death may strike at any moment. So with this potentially shorter life than she anticipated, what gives life meaning? Is it me, you know, going out and and seeking these ruins for my art and trying to find meaning in that? What is it? Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's those two things throughout, along with, you know, beautiful illustrations, black and white stuff that's just really uh, gorgeous and striking. And I chose it for this theme because I think that she's obsessed with the idea of knowledge and the ultimate knowledge, which is what would make life worthwhile. Mm-hmm. What what are we here for? Why? How will I feel fulfilled mm-hmm. with my life? Um, and I think she's fixated on ruins because people lived there. They lived in these abandoned mining towns. They lived in these buildings. They had full lives and now everything is gone and it feels like it's wiped away from the place. It's wiped away from collective memory. It's just completely, you know, just part of history, Mm -hmm. nameless history. So is there a point in knowing what you want and what you'll do with your life or is it better just to go around blindly and embrace that sort of ignorance? Mm -hmm. So I think with these questions, I mean, those are really deep, big questions, but I like that she brought it together into a graphic memoir because of those ruins, because of her uh, interest in visuals. And I think it it works so well as this memoir because of that and how 
these things that she's obsessed with sort of creep into her daily life. And as an artist, Kristen Radke really makes that Mm -hmm. uh, work very well. So yeah, some, some big stuff here about like what makes ignorance, what makes a lack of ignorance, what, uh, what makes us happy, what makes us unhappy. And I don't know if you'll have answers when you leave. Well, I, yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? Sometimes we don't get the answers, but it helps us ponder. It uh, so much to ponder. So much to ponder. So many black and white ruins to ponder. That's that's never been more true. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I'll agree with it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Exactly. I agree wholeheartedly. And I love a graphic novel. It, yeah. So much. Yeah. And I love. It feels like in the past, what, like five, six years, graphic memoirs have a really memoir, sorry, yeah. become a bigger thing. And mm-hmm. and maybe they were before. Maybe we just sort of became aware of it. But yeah. you know, especially with Mary Jacobs' book and others, it's such a really intriguing way of telling a true story. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I this is. I do believe that I have recommended her before. Um, the book that I picked for the other genre this week is by Jenny Lawson. Yes, you it, did. Yeah. It's called Broken in the Best Possible Way. And she wrote Let's Pretend This Never Happened mm-hmm. and Furiously Happy. Um, this one just came out April 2021. And uh, if you don't remember from before, she's very weird and hilarious, but also very poignant in her writing. Um, and this is a collection of essays that is full of hilarious real-life stories that include run-ins, weird run-ins with her neighbors. There's an entire section of products that she would like to pitch to Shark Tank. Oh, my. Um, a, yeah. And a list of times that she literally lost only one shoe while she was wearing it. Huh. So in between all that, though, all the hilarity and relatability, there's something really deep and dark there Mm -hmm. and she's very candid about her struggles with depression and anxiety and quite a few autoimmune diseases that she has and she shares really some dark parts some times that she's felt very isolated and alone and frustrated and i picked it for this theme because i picked it for those parts because she also talks a lot about her struggle with insurance and their refusal to cover treatments their refusal to cover medicine when she was suicidal that her doctor said this will save her life oh my god um they're you know even just the struggle to get adequate mental health treatment and i think that we really like to pretend in society certain things are working because it's easier right then we don't have to do anything about it and sometimes it becomes overwhelming all of the things that are broken but to me, healthcare and mental illness are two of those that just keep slapping us in the face mm-hmm. day after day after day. And we hear the stories. We hear about school shootings and we hear about tragic events and we have a pandemic and we're still not to the point where we're talking about what the actual issue is, which is there's not enough coverage for everyone mm-hmm. and there's not enough mental health resources uh, we happen to live in a state where they've actively shut down mental health resources they've yeah. taken away beds they've taken away the ability for providers to provide the treatment needed and i think that this book while combining humor really shines a spotlight on how devastating that can be and just how off-center some of our views and how our system actually works Mm -hmm. that it's it's not and if we were willing to maybe take a step back and look at how other countries do it how it's working other places we might actually make some progress but honestly we just willfully choose not to absolutely we just constantly make the conversation about something else and i think that 
are continued willing to do that is going to allow a profit-driven and corporation-driven mm-hmm. system to continue. And she does an amazingly eloquent job of discussing how much of an issue this is while also recognizing that she had a certain amount of privilege, that she had the ability to private pay for some of these items. She had the ability to spend time during the day fighting with an insurance company where other people don't have those options. They don't have the resources to do that and they're in desperate need of things that could actually help. So I say come for the hilarious stories Mm -hmm. about her pets and family but you should stay for the wake up call that is pretending that everything's fine because it's just not serving anyone yeah. anymore. Yeah. So I I liked it for this theme because in this case I think that ignorance is absolutely a hindrance and it's causing more permanent damage and we can all agree we don't want it. We just don't ever further the conversation. And well, like we said earlier, there's a willful element to it too. Yes. And you know, when you think about especially like other countries, I think other countries may be a little ignorant of how things work here and how fucked up our healthcare system is, mm-hmm. as well as how much we hate women just generally. Yes. And and yeah. in our healthcare yeah. and, mm-hmm. and elsewhere. And yeah, and here it's just a willful like well, that's not the real issue. Mm-hmm. The real issue is everything the Republicans are telling us or whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And and I feel like we talk about it a lot around tragedies, but we never actually discuss it. You know, there's some, there's a mental health component of all the things that we're worried about yeah. that we just refuse to see. Mm-hmm. You know, when we hear the tragedies of someone, um, of a mass shooting, what we talk about is gun control and things like that, which I, I'm not taking away from that debate. I'm just saying somehow we allow that to be the only thing because it's divisive. So it stops there instead of saying like, we're not doing a good job with any resources on any level. I mean, we don't need to be waiting until the person's drowning to show that, you know, to try and get them a life raft. Like we don't need to wait until the absolute most highest moment of crisis. Like there's other times that we could be trying some things we just don't and we don't push for it yeah and i think there's a very like human thing where we're looking for the simplest answer to something because complexity is super hard Mm -hmm. and mental health and mental health care is super hard Mm -hmm. as is just healthcare in general so then we focus on everything else we focus on Mm -hmm. you know maybe specific laws or something like that or talking points or cancel culture or whatever right correct yeah and yeah. we focus on punishment a lot too. Yes. Like if we get the right punishment, that's going to be the key that's to the unlocking deterrence. this. Yep. Everybody's going to fall into line, and that takes out such a huge element of what's going on. Yeah. I, you know, there isn't a punishment that's going to stop someone that's struggling with mental illness. Yeah. That's not the way that this works. So I really appreciated how candid she was. I think that that's a a very vulnerable choice to Absolutely. make. She was very honest about a lot of things that she went through, a lot of the treatments she's tried, about how she feels, about how it can make her family feel. Um, and that's, we need more people that are willing to do that so that everyone can have a better understanding and maybe try to make some change. Because mm-hmm. you can imagine for someone who has more resources and is a cisgender white female that's struggling, we can only imagine how anyone else in that situation is doing and that yeah so many people don't know how to advocate for themselves or for others and Mm -hmm. so there is that level of privilege of even knowing how to do that yeah or knowing how to work the system Mm -hmm. or whatever absolutely 
but it's also great. I mean, there's yeah. so much humor in there too. There, mm-hmm. She has some great lists in there. There's just some wonderful pieces. She talks a lot about um, her anxiety uh, that also she has a form of agoraphobia where she just Ooh. really can't go out in crowds, yeah. but she's an author in these book tours. And she said, oh you know, who knew that the pandemic was going to give me the option to do things I never would have done. She was able to do a guest speak um, speaking tour at Mayo Clinic um, to talk to some of the people there about struggles she's had with insurance and with wow. mental health. She did some great um, author interviews, uh, things that she said I never would have agreed to because yeah. it would be too much. It would be too taxing. It would take too much out of me. And and she said I had enough experience that I would get there and then just not leave my hotel room. Mm-hmm. So she said this. that's one of the the good parts about the pandemic is it allowed some of these opportunities and maybe a different way to look at how we interact. Yeah, that's true. Opening up accessibility in a lot of ways. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, sounds terrific. It was. If not sobering. Yes. And funny at the same time. Yes. I mean, that's us. So much. We are friggin' hilarious. Yes. And also make you think. I will bring a hot take (laughs) and follow it up with a joke. (laughs) Because that is what we do. That's what We're we do here. We're constantly on the line between humor and sincerity and all the things. Yeah. Yeah. We might cry, but then we're going to laugh. Yeah. Uh-huh. We might laugh and cry at the same time. And Probably. maybe even pee Probably. ourselves oh, yeah. at the that same time. That goes without saying. That goes without saying. There's pee in my pants right now. <laughs> oh, that's good. I'm glad. Oh, it's, is it on my furniture or is it contained I mean, in your... Okay. Yeah, either contained. way, it's, it's fine. Contained. Either yeah. way, it's fine. Good, 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 good. Oops, sorry. I don't know why I'm so concerned about furniture. The cats have fucking destroyed everything. Say, yeah, there's it's no... really more in, in Ziggy's hidey hole than yeah. in your furniture. Yeah, I don't yeah. know why mm-hmm. I... Ignore that. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> That's fine. I got a pop culture pick for you. Yeah. It is a television show. Oh. <laughs> uh, I almost said telenovela, which is not true. What? That is not what this is. No, it's no. a TV show. Okay. It is uh, four seasons, all done on Hulu. It's called oh. The Killing. Oh, you saw this, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. From so the from the look good. of bliss on your face, I was hoping. No. That's <laughs> <laughs> no. This is never heard of it. No. Yes. This ran from 2011 to 2014, and just a goddamn good show. It is so good. Yeah. So so good. Um. Okay. So Sarah Linden is a detective in Seattle, and it's her last day. And she's engaged to this guy, and she and her son are moving from Seattle to Napa Valley to start a new life. But this on this on her last day, she's assigned a case, and it's a teen girl who was murdered. And not just that, she's saddled with this guy who's going to replace her, Eric Holder, who is a former narcotics cop and now a detective. So she starts on this case thinking, all right, I'll do a little bit of work, and then boom, end of day, new life, yay. And then, of course, she can't stop. She keeps delaying her move another day, another couple days, because the the case is so devastating. It's so weird. It's so complex with so many different players across the spectrums of politics and uh, Native American casinos and just all over the place. But also because Lyndon, I think, is, uh, is someone for whom not knowing things is horrible. Mm-hmm. She can't handle that, even when knowing becomes this terrible burden that really, really afflicts her. Meanwhile, Holder is struggling with a drug habit that he picked up in his narc days, and he's trying to reckon with what he did while he was an addict. So over the course of the show, Lyndon and Holder gel into this terrific team, mm-hmm. and they work this case and then they work a couple more through the four seasons. And I chose it for this theme because 
I love that this is so much more than a crime drama. Yeah. I think Lyndon is this really scarred person who has based her life around getting answers to questions people may not really want to know. And she has to dig and dig and it overwhelms her and it threatens to destroy her, but she can't help it. She doesn't like the not knowing, especially when it comes to who may have hurt this child or this teenager or whatever. Right. Um, she's a loner until Holder comes around and they forge this intense friendship and partnership. So it's a show about finding the truth, but maybe realizing ignorance is bliss. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's a very dark show, but there's these wonderful bursts of humor too, often as a result of Holder, who is just a cocky goofball with some of the best ridiculous lines you've ever heard on TV. And he pushes Lyndon in all the best ways. Mm-hmm. And the first three seasons were on a network channel, and the last was on Netflix. So if you're binging all of them, just know Netflix, you're going to get a lot more swear words. You're going to get a lot more darkness. Yeah. Because they went full on Netflix. Yeah. Also, this started my love affair with Joel Kinnaman. Which is a good love affair to have. Yes. Wow. Um, when this show, when I was watching this show, I was texting with Tammy, who had watched this, and I was like, what is it about Joel Kinnaman? She's like, he's dirty hot. I was like, that is it. That's it. Yeah. Eric Holder in this show is dirty hot. Yeah. So you got that to look forward to. Also, in season three, Peter Sarsgaard is a character. Mm-hmm. And it's absolutely incredible. He does such a good job. So everyone in this show is terrific. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's so twisty and dark, but also very personal. And there's a lot of things about motherhood, about family, um, about coming to terms with who you are. And yeah, it's a hell of a ride. It's a great show. Mm-hmm. And it's a good, yeah, I wouldn't have thought of it for this theme, but it really works. Just thinking of Lyndon and Holder. Yeah. Just a terrific Ooh. duo. Mm-hmm. Also, fun fact, um, Patti Smith, the musician yeah. and writer, mm-hmm. one of her books, I think it's uh, M Train, she devotes several essays to her love for the killing. And she writes about it and she's like, and she's getting really deep into why she writes or why she loves it and everything. But apparently she loved it so much and these essays reached somebody. So she has a guest spot in one of the season four episodes, just as a doctor, just as a random doctor. And I'm like, that's Patty Smith. That's amazing. Yeah. Would, how cool would it be to have the ability, like, I mean, you're, yeah. you're famous enough that you can, you know, write about like, it hey. and somebody's like, hey, yeah, why don't you do this? Be like, yes, I will. I'm Thank on you. it. I am, I am not an actor, it. but I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it, doing it, doing it. <laughs> well, I, for pop culture this week, I went a little bit shallow. Not going to lie oh. to you. And there's a specific reason I did this. Okay. Um, I picked a Hulu documentary, just came out, called The Housewife and the Shaw Shocker. What? Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Was that two words? Yeah. Shaw Shocker? Yep, yep. Okay. Okay, so it's an odd choice, but okay. for a bigger purpose. So this is a documentary about Jen Shaw, who was on The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, and she was arrested in March of 2021. I remember you and Heath talking about this, right? Like getting yeah. excited about this. And she's been charged with multiple counts of fraud. Like serious. Like I am... V- I'm pretty sure she's going to jail. Okay. So this is, they did like in the summer sometime, I think they did The Housewife and the Hustler, which was a story about Erica Jane and yeah. her, her husband, who's a lawyer who took all that money. Okay. So apparently they're, they're doing this now. Okay. So this is the next housewife, right? In legal trouble. So they've done it. And that's honestly why I picked it. Um, because I feel like. I used to watch this show because I liked the ignorance. I liked the ignorance of Real Housewives, right? I liked just the fluff of it, the reality. And 
Somewhere along the way, the genre has shifted. <laughs> to true crime? To true crime. <laughs> and here we are, and now we are all eating it up. Because in this season of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City that is on now, we watched Jen Shaw get arrested. We watched all the other women find out about this in real time, which of course we knew because it happened last year. So everybody's just been dying for these episodes and they are explosive and crazy. And to see this really happen with these women who are friends off camera as well, just trying to piece together and they're on camera and they know it's a friend and they're like, what is that? I mean, they were getting together to go on a cast trip when she was arrested she gets a phone call she's on the bus they have it recorded and you can see something go across her face and she turns to one of the gals and said can you can you unmike me can you turn this off and which is like yeah you're not supposed to do that right so she takes it off and she gets off the bus makes an excuse about a family emergency and leaves and 20 minutes later she's arrested on the side of the road by homeland security u.s marshals it's a this is not good what is it uh, is it okay to reveal like what is it she's yeah yeah because that's what the the documentary breaks down so basically she has always said she makes her money by generating leads meaning like if you click on something you know they sell your information to someone like but here's like a very like nebulous right area and here's the problem is that it crosses over when you are purposely getting leads of people who are vulnerable elderly people people with disabilities and then you're taking advantage of them by saying oh you buy this marketing program for your small business for 99 dollars, and then all of a sudden 99 dollars is nine thousand dollars and they're charging they're maxing out your credit cards because you gave them the number i mean we're talking about people that lost thousands of dollars and there is multiple counts there's wire fraud there's fraud there's so many things going on and it's interesting to me part of the thing about this genre that's interesting it was the same thing with erica jane you've got this lady this is only the second season of real housewives salt lake city so when she went on last season you know that you're doing something illegal and you flash your lifestyle. I mean, that's part of what I have heard that the FBI has been investigating her for years, that it wasn't just the show. But I mean, it raised the public's awareness of her Uh to be like, how do you have all this money? Your husband's an assistant football coach for the University of Utah. And you say you generate leads. And I mean, she said in an interview, she spends like $50,000 a month on glam. and Yeah, I mean, it's... She spends a lot of money. That seems so scary then to like sign on to a show. That's just portraying all of this. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it keeps oh getting God. weirder and weirder. More information comes out and you're like, what is going on? And in the meantime, they're filming and it's just, it's bizarre. And it's weird that a genre that started as kind of a campy joke of these real housewives. I mean, the name is a joke. It, and it totally is. And now here we are in this situation That's where so this is like the third housewife that we've seen in serious trouble. Do you think producers are now going to recruit people who could be in potential trouble? Well, and that's... That's what they're they're basically saying that all of these the producers had no idea because this is how these women present themselves you yeah. know like everything's fine they don't they don't know I mean they're putting people on TV that they think are going to make good dramatic TV and sure, Jen Shaw sure. delivered outside of her arrest because she's like the queen of the pop off I mean she loses her mind for no good reason all the time so she makes great TV and she's so over the top and the clothes and the just everything so and she calls herself Shaw Amazing which is why they called it the Shaw Shocker what? yeah the only thing I'm guilty of is being Shaw Amazing okay. that's her tagline mm-hmm. that, yeah so okay. it is 
I don't I don't even know how to explain where I'm at mentally with it because it used to just be this fun, stupid thing I did that I was almost embarrassed of. And now it's like become this underground, like people are obsessed and it's taken on this very different life of its own and it's hit the mainstream. I mean, you got ABC News doing these documentaries about it. It's just, I mean, Chris Conley of NTV is in the, because he's an ABC News correspondent, is in the the documentary about Jen Shaw. And one of his quotes is like, nobody does Jen Shaw as well as Jen Shaw. And you're like, this is like, what? my oh mind my. is like exploding. Yeah, Who what is like, happening? How is this happening? It's just, it's, it's wonderful and weird and terrible. It's everything. And I was ignorant for a long time that these people were just dumb and willfully putting this out there. And now there's all these other questions about where this yeah. is going. And it is fascinating and... I'm just saying, it's it's a it's a weird place. It's a wild place to be. What a time to be alive! <laughs> so, what a time to be alive! So wow. it does make me wonder, like, yeah, how in the future if they're going to sort of twist the premise of the show or yeah, in it, some way change their recruit. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's very interesting, and there it, it's just. I don't know where they're taking. I don't know what they're going to do with her. I mean, she's filming this season. She's been arrested. We haven't really seen her since then, except in a little clip. You know, there's there's lots of questions in the public domain about that. Like, do you keep someone that's accused of these on the cast? Like, you're going to keep paying, you know, yeah. what they did with Erica Jane. But Erica Jane wasn't actually accused of a crime. She was divorcing her husband who did all the, you know, so... It's very, but like Teresa Judice, whose yeah, yeah. husband did all that, and she went to jail. I mean, without the show, she wouldn't have been able to recover from that. I mean, she's fully paid back her debt. She's wrote multiple books. She's very successful in her own right now. I mean, she kind of took that and used it to catapult herself further. So it is it is interesting. It's interesting to see how it started, where it's going. Yeah. It's shallow, but also... Entertaining. So entertaining. Yeah. And here we are in a weird, weird place. <laughs> and I'm here for it. And I found out on Monday there was that they were releasing that. And I was like, I'm all in. And then on Tuesday, I found out that Jen Shaw's legal team is trying to get the whole thing dismissed because of that documentary. Because now they say there's no one that will be an impartial juror. Okay, calm down. I mean. First of all, that's assuming everyone has exactly. Hulu. Exactly. And like. That's just not shows how you the, the delusion works. already. Like everyone's <laughs> watching the documentary about me. I'm exactly. screwed. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's a little narcissism. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. much. But anyway. Well, terrific pick. Yeah. It's yeah. Ignorant to go on a show when you're doing fraud, I That's would say. That's the message I'm receiving. Doing fraud. Doing fraud. Doing fraud. <laughs> Committing fraudulent acts. I don't know. I like doing fraud. Doing Let's fraud. go do some fraud. I'm doing some fraud. <laughs> Doing fraud day around here. What are you doing on Friday? I'm doing some fraud. Doing some fraud. Yeah. Fraudy fraud. What would be your favorite kind of fraud to commit, to do? Jeez, I don't know. So many. So many things. Yeah. So many things. A wire fraud sounds great. I don't think I totally understand what it is, but I'll I'll do that. It's essentially that you got money from another, like you're crossing states. Like, and there's some federal, everybody gets wire fraud if there's money involved. Because you can't not send money electronically yeah. you know i mean unless you're getting straight cash from all these people which isn't happening obviously you're yeah. getting their credit cards okay you committed some wire fraud rename that to internet fraud yeah to i stole your money fraud yes <laughs> to that's a good point we should rename legal terms to what they actually are yeah yeah like manslaughter 
that sounds like a horror movie. Yeah, but but um, it's not. No, it's some it's sort that, of accident. What's weird is well, it depends on if it's voluntary or involuntary. Oh, but it sounds worse than homicide. It does. And homicide's like it, that's, it's the intent. Yeah. So I think it should be manslaughter. Should be the homicide. Yes, because you're slaughtering man. And then manslaughter should be accidental homicide. Right. I killed them. I sure did. <laughs> I sure did. But it was an I accident. I and killed somebody. Listen, I tripped. The knife went in. I did it. I. But who hasn't? Who hasn't? Who among On us your worst day, hasn't? who hasn't accidentally killed someone? I don't know if you can, if you can ever, anyone can say that. No. Which might be how these women say, you know what? I can't be on this show. Who hasn't committed fraud? <laughs> Maybe that's it. Maybe their circles is just everyone's doing fraud. Who hasn't stolen money from elderly people that who are on fixed hasn't? incomes? Yeah. Who doesn't explicitly target people with disabilities? Yeah. Duh. Obviously. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. I think we'll be good at doing fraud. I'm already in. Yeah. We're going to be I don't great. know what it is yet. I don't either. But I wonder if you can get good. charged with fraud just by announcing fraud. Like, I'm doing fraud. And then they're like, you're charged. And I'm like, I don't okay. Is that kind of like your copyright? Yeah. Trademark. Trademark. Yeah. Patent, patent, patent. So this right here is us admitting that we're going to do some fraud. We're going to do some fraud. So we're going to go to jail. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, there'll be a Hulu documentary about it, at least. It'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, while we consider what fraud to do, mm-hmm. you can get to reading yeah, on these it. excellent picks. And in the meantime, we'll be back next week. Mm-hmm. Not next week. The week after. Yeah. Two weeks. Get it straight, Erin. I'm sorry. Jesus, I was committing fraud by telling you we have be back next week. Because we won't be. We're doing fraud. We won't be. <laughs> but in the meantime. Happy reading. I'm up again. Same night, another dream. Before trying this recording thing, I didn't remember much of anything of these dreams. I didn't remember much from any of the women. And one night of doing this, and it's broken things open. The dreams are, they're in me, and they're they are coming out of me, and... Talk to me. I am not broken. I am the most whole, most real. Their despair. I cause their despair. I wait for the word. I wait for the word. Witch. 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 Look at the mad woman in her cage. She was a woman with holes inside her. That was the heaviest factor. The final evidence. The heart of the issue. Somehow, you understand this. You. You. You hear me. Wherever you are, whatever this is, you... This isn't a dream journal anymore. It's not. That's just, it's just fact. (laughs) Because now this is, this is some sort of record. What are these dreams? Maybe there's a better question. Who are these women? Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D Woman, wherever you listen to podcasts.